You're listening to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Aaron Klein. Well, good morning. Friends, it's good for us to be together this morning. It's good for us to be here in the house of the Lord. I know when I, when I got up this morning, I was thinking about like coming in like, whoa, you know. Uh, my boys, when they saw this backdrop, I know that they would say that this is uh, a fever dream. Uh, if you've ever had one of those where you have a fever and you have a dream, I feel like what you see behind me is probably something uh, that you might dream about. Uh, but we're praying God is going to do amazing things. And as Pastor Andrew has reminded us, so thankful uh, for the people who have been a part of making this possible and those who are going to be making it possible over the course of this week. And so this place is going to be filled with children, with adults, and we're praying that it's going to be the name of Jesus Christ uh, that is lifted up and that people are going to know as we talk about bringing joy to our city, uh, that indeed we're going to be able to bring joy to our city and to our world. You know, one of the things that we're also going to be talking about today is how we go about living out that joy. How we be a people who are pursuing peace, who are pursuing holiness. How do we be a people who are saying, Lord, though none go with me, still I am going to follow, Lord, that there is no turning back. And so as we prepare to hear God's word to us this morning, I would love for us just to join our hearts together in prayer. So would you pray with me? Oh Lord, we come today and we do give you thanks. We give you thanks for Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for his word. We give you thanks, Lord, that we can gather together as a people and as a body where we can lift up your name, celebrate what you have done. Lord, celebrate what we believe you are going to do throughout this week. And Lord, what we would pray is that we would be that people who are running after you who are pursuing you and who are pursuing, Lord, a life that is of peace and one of holiness. And so, Lord, we would ask that as we open your word together today, uh, you would speak to us. Uh, You would remind us of who you are and of who we are. Uh, And, Lord, how we can place our faith and our trust in you because of who you are and what you have done for us. So, Lord, that's our prayer. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts so that we would see you and hear you and know you in this place. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we get started together today, I probably have to ask you the question, um, are you tired of hearing all of these different running illustrations that we've had over the past couple of weeks? Uh, Some of you might be saying to yourself, you know, you guys keep talking about running, but the truth is I hate running. Or you might say to yourself, well, you know what, I can't run because of the pain that I'm in. Or some of you might say, can't you find some other sporting references in the Bible that you can talk about other than running? And I'm going to tell you, I tried. I I looked for football, and I looked for football. And I couldn't find it, right? I looked for basketball and baseball and pickleball, and, and we just couldn't find it. Now, I could find some boxing references, and I I could find at least a wrestling reference because Jacob and wrestling in that way with uh, leaving a hip that was wrenched out of place, Uh, but the truth is, other than maybe some Olympic-style hand-to-hand combat, uh, most of the references that we see in Scripture are running references. Now, why do I say that? 
because I have another running reference. So you're going to hear it again. Um, and, and the reason that I say that is I was thinking about uh, when it comes to running, how if you are trying to add miles and if you are trying to get better, uh, one of the things that we recognize if I'm trying to train and go farther is how our gait when we run is important. Now, what do I mean by that? Uh, the way in which we cycle through our stride or the way in which we pump our arms. You know, I think about how when I go running, uh, if I'm fresh, my legs form probably a circular type pattern or an elliptical type pattern. My arms are really pumping through their stride. But what happens when you and I get tired? I know that before long, I've noticed that when I tire, instead of a circular motion to my feet, well, now it's become a much more flattened oval right? It's almost as if I'm shuffling my feet in order to get through. Uh, instead of really pumping my arms, now they're just kind of hanging at my side. You know, sometimes you're clenching your fists and you're like, okay, I got to shake it out a, a little bit here and there. But the problem is when you and I get tired and when we get weak, we know that the way in which we run begins to change. And you know what we're going to discover together today is that that is the same when it comes to our Christian walk. You and I can have those moments when we're starting off strong and when we're running and everything seems to be going well, our form and our gait looks correct, but then we have those moments where we get hurt or where we get wounded. And when we experience those pains, oftentimes we get tired. And we get weak and weary. And then suddenly we're not running as strongly as we were before. You know, we were saying this last week. Sometimes you and I experience those pains and woundings because of our own stupid choices. And the things that we do. Sometimes we experience it because of the sinful world that we live in. And the choices that other people make. And sometimes what we were saying is bad things can just simply happen to us. And what we were trying to say is, as we've been working our way through Hebrews, is God uses those moments to discipline us. To train us. To correct us. Why? So that we can be more like Jesus Christ. So that we can run our race with perseverance. So as you and I experience those moments where perhaps we feel a bit weaker, we can either look at it as, oh God, you're punishing me. Or we can begin to say, God, how are you disciplining me? How are you training me? So that in the end, I can actually run farther the question is, how do you and I finish and run our race well? You know, we talked a little bit about this last week. Verse 11 uh, says this, so I'm going to read it for you in a slightly different translation. It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And if you think about it, isn't that really the truth, right? None of us like discipline. You know, I've never had anybody in a counseling session say, man, I just love it when I feel like God is disciplining me, right? I love it when I feel like I'm being wounded in some way so that I can run farther. I mean, most of the time, people would say this, you know, when I ask God, God, is this it? Have 
haven't you refined me enough, God? Most of the time we're afraid to ask that question because we know in our minds if we have to ask God, God, haven't I had enough already? Haven't you refined me enough already? God is like, oh, if you have to ask, the answer is no, right? And, and so here you go. Here's some more, right? Sometimes that's what you and I can experience. But the truth is, is we all have those moments where we have heartaches, where we feel as though we have been wounded. And though it's never easy for us in the moment, we know that it is for our good because it is God who loves us. And so the question really becomes, how do you and I go about handling the hardships we face? What is it that we need to do in order to endure this discipline? Well, Scripture says that we need to train. So building on what we talked about last week, we come to this point this week where we're reminded that we need to train. When we have those moments when we feel like we've been wounded, when we feel like we've been cut to the heart, we can become weak in our devotion to Jesus Christ. And when that happens, we need to be reminded, as Scripture says, that we need to exercise our spiritual muscles, not through physical therapy, but through spiritual therapy in order to get us back in shape. Now, if, you, if you've been with us, you know we've been working our way through this letter, this sermon to the Hebrews. And last week we finished off with verse 11. Today we're going to be picking up with verse 12. And so to start, if you want to take out your Bibles, of course you're going to be able to follow along on the screen. We're just going to be looking together right now at verses 12 to 13, and then we'll be picking up 14 to 17 in just a moment. But listen now, hear what it says. It says, therefore... Right? And so this therefore builds on what we were talking about last week, about the pain that we can experience. He says, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for, those, for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Now, this is actually a reference to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4.26, it says this, Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadied in all, or steadfast in all your ways. Now, interesting, this actually is reminiscent of Isaiah chapter 35. And if you were to go to Isaiah chapter 35, we see a, a passage. There's this prophecy that's given to the inhabitants of the southern kingdom. And Israel's, or Isaiah's message to the people of Judah was this. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. It says, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So I want you to, to think about this. Here you have uh, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 35 where the people are experiencing what it means to live in captivity under Assyria. 
And he tells the people of Judah to look up because God is going to be the one who is going to deliver you, who's going to restore your hopes, who's going to restore your dreams. God is going to allow you to see miracles that you have never seen before. And just as God was telling the people of Israel to look up and not to grow weary, the the writer of Hebrews is telling us, look up, don't grow weary. Keep looking up to Jesus. Don't allow these setbacks to weaken your faith. Don't allow the discipline that you experience. And as we talked about last week, discipline can be negative, but discipline can also be a training, a positive thing. He's saying, don't let that trip you up. You know, how many of us have experienced that because of God's correction and discipline? How many of us have ever wondered, God, do you really love me? God, do you really care about me? God, are you really good? You know, you've heard me probably say this before, but I can't tell you how many times uh, we ended up in a tailspin when we were planting our church in Florida because of what became known to us, Nicole and I called it, the breakup dinners. And we had those breakup dinners with people that we had poured into, We had done life together with them. I'd help them tile their house. I'd help them paint and roof and do all of these different things. But then we would have those moments after doing life together, spending time in each other's homes, where we'd go out to dinner and and somebody would say, like Aaron and Nicole, we want you to know there's nobody better than you. But, you know, we're going to go to a church that has more programs. You know, or... Or, hey, we love you guys, and we trust you, but we don't trust this denomination of which you are a part. And we can't be a part of it anymore, you know? And how often, after those dinners, it would send us in a tailspin where we would go home and just cry. And, And sometimes for days, where we just felt like, God, you know, you've called us out into this. God, what, what's going on in the midst of all of this? And, and in those moments, you know, we didn't necessarily see it like training. It felt like discipline. You know, you had those moments of like, God, what did we do? What's going on? And what ends up happening is we end up feeling weak. Instead of hands that are raised to God praising him, instead of hands that were used... To, to help others, our arms just felt weak. And you want to just put them at your side. You know, I, I think about feet that were used for dancing alongside of people when you saw the way in which God was moving in their lives. A feet that would take you where God was calling you to go. Now our, our feet felt tired and weary. And we didn't want to use them anymore. But here's what would happen. After a few days, in the midst of our tears... We'd, we'd sense God is strengthening us. God is, is doing something. He's preparing us for something new. We'd wake up, the sun would shine, and it would be like, well, it's time to get back at it again. Let's go. You know, we, we could have just been bitter and angry about other people, but no, you, you pick yourselves back up again. You sense God is doing some healing work, and because of that, now it's time to say, okay, God, now you've strengthened us. Let's go again. And, and I think that's the point of Hebrews 12. 
you know, at the beginning of this chapter, you know, you're reminded that life is like a marathon. And he's like, hey, you got to run your race. And then you get the excitement, right? The banners are flying. The people are running into the stadium. And there's the congregation there. And they're cheering everybody on. And the writer of Hebrews is like, so throw off everything that so hinders and entangles and run with perseverance towards that finish line. What happens when you and I experience a setback? We start to limp, right? All all of a sudden, you you experience the, the pain and the hurt, and you're not able to run like you were once running. You know, instead of like the world-class athletes that start from the front of a marathon, we're, we end up being more like the middle-aged, overweight people that are just trying to finish the race from the back, right? The people who are, are using crutches, right? The people who, who are limping or on wheelchairs from the back. And, and the truth is that the Christian life isn't usually like the runners who run smoothly and swiftly from the front. The Christian life is more like us people who are just kind of limping along from the back. See, the point too is most of us think that when we read Hebrews chapter 11, oh man, those are the people who are running smoothly from the front. Wow, they're such great marathon runners. But when you look at the list of people, Abraham screwed up a lot in his faith journey, right? He made a lot of mistakes along the way. Jacob, what, a liar, a trickster? He, he wrestled with God and had a physical limp. Rahab was a prostitute. So there's a lot of people who would have been limping along, and yet, what do we see? Their names are written there in that hall of fame of faith which is why I think the writer of Hebrews says to us, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Who looks at their cross with joy? Ah, Jesus did, because he knew what awaited him on the other side. And if Jesus could face such opposition from sinners as we were talking about last week, so can we. Love of people, the, the, the discipline and the training and the correction that we were talking about last week can lead to what? Feeble arms and weak knees, which is why we need to strengthen them. How many of us have ever had that happen? We, we, we face a, a persecution in some way or a hardship and, and we end up getting discouraged. We give up on serving God and we become spiritually weak. In those moments, we might develop a muscular atrophy because of lack of use. But the writer of Hebrews tells us, by the way, if you're not careful that lack of use and atrophy can actually lead to a dislocation. See, if you look at what the passage says, what does it say? It says that you may become disabled. But what the word actually means is closer to this idea 
of being put out of joint. But the problem is that when problems come, the temptation is to give up and to do nothing. But by becoming spiritually inactive, instead of our hearts just becoming broken, our spiritual lives become broken as well, and our relationship with Jesus Christ ends up suffering. Think about it. How many people do you know have been hurt both inside the church as well as outside the church. People experience these pains and these wounds, and they end up becoming spiritually dislocated. I don't need to go to that church. I can just worship Jesus on my own. The problem is is we start to become a little bit more inactive, and we're not developing our spiritual lives when you and I dislocate ourselves from the body of Christ, we become weak. See, all of this builds on Hebrews 10. What did Hebrews 10 say? And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So yes, you're going to experience hardship and you can either quit and give up, but no, come on, let's keep going. You can keep going in your faith. So the question is, what is the prescription that will help us battle this spiritual atrophy? Well, guess what? It's no different than the physical atrophy that we might experience and the things that we have to do in order to overcome that. You know, our muscles get stronger. We build muscle mass. We build bone density by doing what? Weight bearing exercises and physical resistance exercises, right? What, what do weight-bearing exercises look like, right? They're the things that you use with gravity, right? You're kind of moving along. You move your feet. You're running, right? And, and so as you bear weight on your body on the ground, you're developing, what, muscle mass, bone mass? You know people who have been in the hospital who just lay in a bed for weeks upon weeks and, and years upon years, their, their muscles and their bones become weak. So you have to strengthen them by using them. But you also do weight training exercises where you're fighting against gravity, right? And you're lifting weights in order to build up your strength. It's the same thing when it comes to our spiritual lives. Hebrews 12 says this, that by making our paths straight, we're engaging in a running program, right? In a walking program, we are doing weight-bearing exercises. And by strengthening our hands and our knees, we are participating in weight resistance, in weight training. And these are the things that build up our spiritual muscles. They increase our faith. They keep us from becoming dislocated and experiencing what we're going to be talking about in just a moment. So, really, how do you develop and strengthen weak arms? You lift them in praise. No matter what it is that you're going through. What did we sing just a few moments ago? Waymaker, right? Even when I can't see it, you're working, God. So I'm going to lift up my hands to you. Notice what some different scriptures say. Psalm 63, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. 
Psalm 28. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Psalm 119, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on all your statutes. I could have listed dozens and dozens of passages about people who are lifting up their hands no matter what it is that they are going through. We lift up our hands because we trust that God hears us. We lift up our hands because we believe, God, you are in control. And God, I believe you are going to see me through whatever hardship that I'm going through in these moments. You continue to persevere. You continue to lift up your hands. How do you strengthen your knees? You bow down in prayer. You bow down in reverence. Because you understand that God is in control, that God is king, that he is the Lord of your life, and that he has the power to help you. Psalm 95, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Philippians 2, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we strengthen our knees by praying, by trusting that God is in control and by saying, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And by the way, you can also strengthen your arms and knees by continuing to run the race that is set before you. You can either quit and face hardship and dislocation, or we can persevere and we can be strengthened by it. Because what happens if you face those hardships and you don't see them as God's loving care as a good good father would do as we talked about last week you end up bitter and how many of us have those moment in our lives where we sense that bitterness that has overtaken us so the question is how do we handle our bitterness how do we handle it the, the word bitterness comes from this greek word that means to cut or to prick, or to wound by piercing. And you and I know that we can experience life, and we can have these many blessings, but we can also have those piercings that end up wounding our hearts. How many times have you had people impugn your character? You know, they say things about you, or they believe things about you. People who are unfaithful towards you. How many of you have had those moments where you experience people who have been working by your side, now turn their backs on you, and what you're sensing is their attacks. People who have been close to you now seem distant from you. They, they don't even want to look you in the eye anymore. They seem to look the other way when they walk past you, and you wonder, what happened? Why is this happening to me? And you, you are baffled by it. Of course, we also know that there are sometimes those outright persecutions, the heartaches that come, the tears that come from trying to love others and trying to serve God. See, what's so hard about the fact is that when we're running the race together, that's what a marathon is. You've got all these people who are running together. Guess what? When we run together as a group, there's going to be times where we get hurt. And sadly, there's times when we may end up 
hurting each other. But I think about this, the illustration I, I was sharing with you before about these professional runners who are always trying to start from the front. Their mentality is winning. But the average Joes who run from the back, we just want to finish. You just want to cross the line. And by the way, oftentimes the people in the front are the ones who are trying to win. The people in the back are the ones that you see the stories of somebody falls down. If you're not concerned about winning, you just want to finish. You're going to help somebody else up. Right? Those are the stories that we often see. Compassion is more important than the competition. I, I love what this commentator has written, Thomas Long. He says, God's race is not the Olympics. He says it's the Special Olympics. And the runners who run are lame. That is, they're encumbered in so many ways and encouraged to get on track and to make straight paths for your feet. He says in the Christian faith, if you play hurt, you end up healed. If you stay on the sidelines, the injury just gets worse. We end up being dislocated. So how do we combat the bitterness? We get back up again. We get out and we train. Otherwise, what ends up happening is we allow the root of bitterness to take root and it infects not only us, but what we're going to see is it infects the people around us. As I said before, you know, when we experienced those breakup dinners, we could have been bitter. You know, and I, I've known a lot of pastors over the years who when they get hurt in ministry, they become very calloused and they become very bitter people. But I was like, I don't want to be that way. The, the reality is when you're in ministry, when you're in church, you're going to get hurt. But do we become bitter and angry or do we say, no, Lord Jesus, by the grace of God, I am going to continue to love others well. Look at what verses 14 to 17 say. He says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Sadly, we know that with persecution, it comes hardship. And with that hardship, we can sometimes say, instead of trying to run our race together, instead of trying to help each other out, it's like we can just get up and say, you know what, I've been hurt. So I'm just going to try to finish my race and I'm just going to try to win it. And I'm going to do it on my own. And you're bitter as you run because of the people you left behind. And guess what? Sometimes when we've been hurt and we're the ones limping from the back, we get bitter because they're like, well, now they're not even running with us. They're running from the front. And so we end up getting bitter as we run from the back. See, when we refuse to forgive, when we tolerate pride, when we wallow in self-pity, we fail to see the grace of God at work around us. How many of us have had sleepless nights 
because of the bitterness and unforgiveness and frustration that we hold in our hearts against someone else. There's probably moments when we all have. Everybody gets mad once in a while. But the difference is those who stay mad, those who allow bitterness to take root within their lives. It infects them. It infects people around them. Most of us, though, we get mad, we get angry, but we're able to calm down. We're able to process it, and we're able to to move on. But we all know people who have bitterness in their hearts. They, They seem to hold grudges against other people constantly, or they feel like they're constantly being rejected by other people, even if they seem calm on the surface right below it. There is just this sense of a person who is just ready to lash out at someone because there's bitterness that has taken root in their hearts. The problem is that when bitterness goes undetected and undealt with, it takes root and it ends up wounding our hearts. It ends up wounding the people around us. Not only does it rob us of joy, but it robs the people around us of joy and it keeps all of us from being able to experience the grace of God. Instead of experiencing the grace and the peace of God, when we refuse to show forgiveness and grace to one another, it keeps us in a position where we are unable to grow. You know, I think about how this year we decided, let's try to grow a vegetable garden. Great. I I said, okay, I'll, I'll build you some vegetable boxes. So I made some raised beds for Nick. She put, you know, the stuff in it, the stuff that we like to eat. We thought, oh, that's onions and tomatoes and and peppers and squash. And, and, you know, for a while, it really seemed like it was going well. And then I noticed, hey, why why are our squash leaves turning yellow? And why why are they brown around the edges? Why are our flowers turning brown and, and like, falling off? Um, You know, you say, oh, maybe we're overwatering it. Maybe we're underwatering it. You know what happened? I let it go too long. And uh, when I started to look at it and see again, it was a fungus. And uh, we said, well, you know what? We need, we need to get something like a fungicide in order to try to kill it. Uh, but you know what happens when it's too late, right? The problem is, is when we allow in our spiritual lives that root of fungus to grow in us, it, rot, it rots the whole life. It rots the plants. And now, not only is it affecting the squash, but the next bed over, I've noticed. It, like, tomatoes can get timber rot or something like that. It's the same thing. It, it's, you notice that it affects everything around it as well. And you can either water and fertilize the good stuff, or you can water and fertilize poison ivy, and and it will grow up. And so you have to decide, what what are the types of things that you want to water? What are the types of things that you want to fertilize? If you water and fertilize bitterness, that's what's going to grow up. It, It hurts our spiritual lives. It weakens our arms. It weakens our knees. And guess what? It is contagious, and it infects people around you. Proverbs 14 says, 10 says this, Each heart 
knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. See, bitterness is like an epidemic. It's like a contagion. You know, you think about, oh, it just doesn't affect us. It also infects other people. Family, friends, fellow employees, those who are together. See, what, what does the passage say? That bitterness defiles many. And by the way, the word defile, it means to pollute or contaminate or to stain. You know what it's like when you leave bread out too long? It gets moldy. And the whole loaf is affected. You know, you keep your vegetables in the crisper drawer for too long, one gets moldy, guess what? The rest end up getting moldy as well. And it's the same thing with our spiritual lives. It's the same thing as we seek to walk out our faith together. Bitterness affects others. If you want examples of this, look at Absalom's bitterness against David. His bitterness infected Israel itself, and David had to flee. You think about the, the bitterness that Cain had. What happened? It, it caused him to kill his brother Abel. You think about Esau, right? And his bitterness that caused him to despise his brother Jacob. Interestingly enough, you can probably sense that the writer of Hebrews, as he's preaching this and as he's made reference, right, to weak arms, to limping, maybe he had in mind Jacob himself. Because what does he do is he, he references Esau. He zeroes in on him. And he says, look, Esau was short-sighted because what happened, he sold his birthright for a single meal. You know? Instead of running his race, he got hungry, and he stopped, and he ate something instead of running with perseverance, and, and what ends up happening, he becomes bitter. He missed out on the blessings and the prizes. He, he was too focused on his anger and his own self-needs and bitterness, and what happens is he ends up losing his inheritance. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, look, I know some of you are experiencing hardships right now. I, I know that you have hunger pains. I know that you're experiencing things that right now you would not want to go through. But the temptation is to foolishly be short-sighted and to abandon your faith and to go for something that's more quick and more satisfying like Esau went for. But he says, look, but if you do, you're going to miss out on the finish line. You're going to miss out on the joy that's set before you. And that's why he'll turn his attention to this next week. Because the idea is, guess what? You're actually running for a greater prize. And no, I'll try not to give you more running references, right? But here's the point, right? How do you combat bitterness, right? How do you pursue peace and holiness? Look at what Ephesians 4 says in verses 29 to 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. 
What's the cure for bitterness? Beloved people, if you feel like you are struggling as you run your race, you need to know that there is hope for you. The, the passage says to make every effort. We strive for peace. We look diligently for it. We cannot control sometimes the bitter things that happen to us, but we can control whether or not we're going to allow that bitterness to develop, to take root, and to what? Develop into something that's ungodly. The way in which we treat others, that passage says, look, get rid of it. Instead, what do we need to do? Speak with gentleness and kindness. Remember the grace of God that he has shown us in Christ Jesus, and we show that to others. So the first thing is, look at your life. Look for areas where bitterness has taken root. Ask God to deal with it. And pray. Say, God, help me to deal with any bitterness that I may be having towards someone else, or maybe even towards you, because of the things that I've experienced. Second, you rest in the grace of God. Allow the grace of God to be the cure for the bitterness that we are feeling. Because if we're bitter, guess what happens? We play God. And we say, God, this isn't fair. God, I, I shouldn't be going through this. We punish others as if we were God. We become the lawgivers. We become the judge when we allow bitterness to take root. But if we remember that we have been shown the grace of God through Jesus Christ, we can show that same grace to others and we can experience freedom and healing. The grace that we have from Jesus is not just a fire insurance policy, right? It's not just a life insurance policy. The grace that we have in Jesus Christ shows us a better way to live. And it allows us to give glory to God as we run our race. See, Jesus' own life was pierced, right? He, he wore the crown of thorns. He experienced the rejection of people. His own hands were, were nailed. His feet were nailed. But what did Jesus do as he hung on the cross? He's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. That is grace. So we need to remember that we can't always control the things that are happening to us or the discipline or the correction that we face. We can't always control what other people say or do. We can't control whether people run their race with us or not. We can't control what other people say or what they don't say. We all know that wounded people end up wounding people. But we can control how we respond. We can be a people who are pursuing peace. We can pursue holiness. And we do it by looking to Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus, who has finished his race. Because without him, bitterness will overtake us and will disqualify us from the race. But with him, we can finish. We can finish well, and we can do so with joy and with peace and with grace. Love the people, let's run that race well. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we do thank you. 
Yes, Lord, we thank you, even in the midst of our hardships, even in the midst of the wounds that we experience, that we are not alone. Lord, that we can rest in your grace and your love. Lord, forgive us for those moments when we feel wounded and then we allow bitterness to take root and Lord how it damages and dislocates us from the relationship that we have with you and it can damage and dislocate us from the relationship that we have with one another. Lord where we are bitter would we seek to offer forgiveness. Lord where others may be bitter may we seek out Lord those who need that forgiveness, who need that grace, where we can offer it and receive it. We would pray, Lord, that together as we are running our race, Lord, that we would do it arm in arm as we follow after Jesus, who is indeed the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. Lord, may we be these people who are running after you with the joy of the Lord as our strength. And we bring all of these things and we pray it all in the most wonderful and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And check out our other discussions and messages. To learn more about Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's worship services, ministries, and events, visit us online at warsawpresby.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you again for joining us and have a blessed day.